One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Ange Capuzzo is a 22-year-old Italian rugby player who many of us had very little knowledge about until he came off the bench to score two tries on his debut against Scotland last week. Given that those exploits came at the end of an inevitable Italian defeat, I'm guessing many of us had still never heard of him until Saturday afternoon in Cardiff. Less than two minutes ago, Italy having led for much of the game, now trailed by six points. They look destined to lose yet again until our hero gets the ball in hand deep inside his own half, immediately sidesteps three players in one move, scorches through a gap between two more, ambles around a prop on the wing, then beautifully steps another defender before calmly popping it inside to a teammate who can set up a much easier conversion for Italy to win in Carter for the first time in their history. Ange Capuzzo is the star of the final weekend of the Six Nations, regardless of anything Stuart Hogg comes up with over the course of today's Second Captain's podcast. Hey Murph. Hey Ud, how's it going? It's going very well for a number of reasons, many of them Stuart Hogg related. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Ken. Owen, how are you? Hey, Simon, how are things? Hey, Owen, how are you? Uh, have you seen the video of Josh Adams, one of Capuzzo's victims on that Maisie yeah. run, offering his Player of the Match award over? I don't know if you saw uh, Capuzzo's quotes afterwards. He said, it was a moment of great class. I did think, even when Adams got the Man of the Match award, Player of the Match award, you know, it was fair enough. He just scored what looked like was going to be the winning try. He'd made a try-saving tackle. I sort of felt, could you not give it to an Italian? They've only mm. just lost by six points here. They've gotten a bonus point away in Cardiff. It's pretty... It's a pretty big effort by Italy, but you're giving it to a Welsh player. Anyway, as it happens, it most certainly should have gone to... A Welsh uh, player who made the main missed tackle in the winning try. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that happened straight, literally straight after. Uh, I mean, the, the, the man of the match award is given, then the ball is kicked high, Caputo gets it, takes Josh Adams and a number of other players out. But Adams did literally walk over to him. He said, Here, here's the award if you want it. Uh, Caputo said, no, thank you. It was a moment of great class. His gesture is just sublime. He has the lucidity to do it when they have just lost. I find that really strong. He offered me to take the Man of the Match medal. He told me that it had to come back to me. I thanked him 100 times, but I replied it was his. I really wanted him to keep it to himself. Beyond having the medal, it's enough for me that he offered to take it. For me, his gesture is worth 10 medals. That's uh, that's beautiful, but you didn't see Andy Good handing over his Man of the Match award <laughs> to Shade Horgan back in 2006. <laughs> did you? I, st- I still uh, think my favourite part of the entire... Uh, there's like three minutes of the build-up and then the the TMO check for uh, Shane Horgan's try 
to win the Triple Crown in 2006. My favourite part of the whole thing is Andy Good, man of the match, uh, flashing up. Well, like, that's exactly that's exactly what the Italians have now, Murph. It's almost the exact same thing. Where yeah. yeah, it just happens right before everything begins to unravel for the team. Listen, we know it's obvious. We know this is the easy option. But who wants Nessun Dorma mixed with the Italian commentary of the last minute try in the Principality Stadium? You know you do. Pandemonio, indeed. Stephen Sorry, Bowden. Sorry, what does that mean? Uh, I don't know, actually. I think it means calmness, composure. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure. <laughs> Stephen Cronin requested that one and a few others on Twitter. And Stephen, in his accompanying still image from the from the match, had a, a picture of, I think it was Paolo Garbisi, yeah. who kicked the winning conversion, was yeah. it? Yeah, just lying prone on the floor yeah. in <laughs> floods of tears. He said, uh, Stephen said, shades of Italian 90 with the waterworks after the kick yesterday. This is the thing, it was the, the celebrations as much as the actual try scoring and the conversion. And even when you see Garbisi going through that emotion, you look back at it and go, there was a fair chance he could possibly miss that kick directly in front of the post, 10 metres out. But it was just, they, they celebrated it in the way that you should celebrate your first yeah. win in 36 matches. They Well, they celebrate way better than any other country. I was thinking about the Euros last summer. And, uh, just something like completely overcome. You know, like there's not one bit of their body that isn't overcome by the emotion and celebration of it. I was brilliant. It was so good. And my favorite thing besides Carbisi's reaction immediately after kicking was the fact that this 22-year-old obviously beats four or five players in the last second to win their first game in 37 but then has the composure just halt at the last yes. second and pull the pass back for Padovano. And that was like, I don't have composure at that moment is kind of ridiculous. That was amazing, yeah. This is, when you watch it and rewatch it, you see different things. The Italian medic is running along the sideline, urging him to go, exactly what you're saying, Sai. Because I was watching it thinking, oh, get in the corner. Mm. Uh, but obviously the right thing to do is to look inside and see, can somebody make a much easier kick for the kicker? Yep. And the Italian medic had spotted that as well as it developed. You can see him pointing inside, pass it inside or go yeah. inside. Go, he's with you, yeah. go inside, yeah. And the touch judge actually knocks him out of the way. The medic gets in the touch judge's way because his oh, arm is yeah, outstretched. Yeah, yeah, watch it again. The just has to knock him out of the way to keep running to stay up with play. It's just absolute pandemonio. (laughs) (laughs) Bloody pandemonio. Pandemonio! Stop. Here, didn't we win a triple crown this weekend? I mean, listen, all the rest of the lads are great. Like, I I love the lads and all, but we did win a triple crown this weekend. Does it matter to you, Murph, the triple crown? Of course it does. I mean, it matters to the extent that while I was celebrating winning the Triple Crown, we still had a chance of winning the championship, sure. But it's also nice to have a little trophy as well, you know? Like our uh, texter from last week, Graham Love, uh, as he told us, if Scotland ever win the Grand Slam, they'll get seven trophies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there's a lot to be said for just handing out trophies willy-nilly. Uh, you know, we, we drank deep from the centenary quake this weekend <laughs> and uh, you know here's to, here's to many more uh, quake piss ups over the course of the next uh, 30 years 
What do you reckon, Si? You were there. Well, yeah, winning something. It sort of feels like, you know, a, a good football team winning the Europa League and seeing it as a step along the way to winning the Champions League or something like that. But also worth bearing in mind that like the English, Scottish and Welsh media and fans are utterly despondent about their team's displays, like about their coaching, their governance. And all of them see this as an awful Six Nations for their team. So we've beaten two teams who feel terrible about themselves. And England have won two out of five for two Six Nations in a row. Scotland fancied themselves and were maybe more flaky than ever in this Six Nations. And we won four games with four try bonus. But I almost think the most impressive part of what Ireland did in this Six Nations was the fight back against France, even though we lost. Because obviously the early DuPont try... France just looked so good, so well drilled, so aggressive at home. But then we found a way to get back into it. A bit like against Scotland, I thought our attack was awful. Probably the worst it's been since before the November internationals. And yet we still found a way to score four tries. So we were sort of, we're not worrying too much or getting too caught up with the fact that we're playing badly or made a few errors. There's games where we've made far less errors and totally lost the head and assumed this is a horrendous performance and will lead to defeat, which it did. Whereas against Scotland, I thought the first 15 minutes were as bad as we've put together in terms of individual errors, knock-ons and just everything around the pitch. The mall wasn't working. Uh, the lineout was basically the only thing working. And yet they worked their way back into the game and stayed composed. So we, we found a new mental edge to our game if not eliminated the errors. I feel better about the fact that we scored 24 tries more than we've ever scored in our history mm. and only conceded four tries, the fewest in the competition. I, th- I think I feel better about that than be sitting here as triple crown champions this morning. Just the, the, the manner in which we approached the competition and even like you're saying, having, having some flawed performances and yet still producing those kind of numbers, yeah. it shows you the ambition is there, which is all we've ever that's it. really asked. And that's what we were saying last week on, we score heavy now. Like look at the November internationals, 50 and 60 against Argentina and Japan, decent sides, you know, 29 against New Zealand, uh, scoring um, three tries even against France away from home. And the sense is, I think, that we're trying to master the really difficult aspect of rugby, in my opinion, which is this multi-layered attack, linking backs and forwards, finding gaps against bigger defences. And that if we keep improving at that, and keep our defence as it is, like four tries conceded, but keep improving at these really difficult tasks, then we can actually beat anyone on our day. I'm not saying we're going to go to number one in the world or anything like that. I don't think we have the players to do that. But if we cut down the air percentage against, say, against England, Scotland, even by 50%, and keep doing the hard stuff and getting better at that, then I think we're, we're a force to be reckoned with. Can we give Dan Sheen a quick mention here? I think at one point during mm. Virgin's commentary, Dave McIntyre said, Dan Sheen now averages a try every 54, or sorry, he averages a try every 54 minutes for Leinster. <laughs> and obviously he scored this amazing try for... I, I, how Ar- many caps has he got for Leinster? I, he's played very little rugby for Leinster. Yeah, you according, know? So, so 27 games for Leinster in Ireland, I'm reading here, uh, of which this was only his ninth start. Mm. And yet he scored 15 tries. It's pretty That's good. Utterly going. insane. <laughs> yeah, that would be an, like if, if that was a winger, you'd be, you'd be thinking that is one of the most amazing yeah. strike rates to begin your professional career. And this fella's a hooker. <laughs> yeah, and one of those is a sidestep of Mac Hansen. But uh. he, I was watching him actually. I was in the corner of the West Stand where a lot of his lineout throws were going in, and at a point where nothing was sticking for Ireland, himself and Henderson were close to perfect. Our lineout was the one thing I thought we could rely on. And just the, the sort of a power in his delivery of his line that feels like it's going to, like a quarterback's throw, it's going to m- meet its target, you know. And 
sometimes when he's at the back of those malls, there's just this attitude about him like, I can beat people with speed, sidestep or power here. Like he, he runs at things fearlessly. At one point he went to one side of the rocket and then went to the other. Kind of feels like he's taken a lot of responsibility on himself for somebody his age. But that was evident from his very first cap. The second he came onto the pitch, he looked confident. And uh, yeah, he's one of the few real shining elements to the whole Irish thing. Like our back three too. Remember we were worrying a year ago that maybe that was the worst part of our team. And now we've got, you know, somebody like Balakun can't get in the team. Uh, Keenan was probably the best fullback in the Six Nations, one of the best in the world on form at the moment. Lowe is playing the best rugby of his career. And then we've got Conway and Earls and lots of depth there. So there's there's a few areas that we're looking really good, but we haven't progressed, say, the out-half situation. Uh, loose head looks a little bit dodgy. So as ever with Ireland, like, there's a couple of things where hmm. you go, that on its own could lose us a Six or a World Cup quarterfinal. Please spare a thought for one man at the centre of the action at Lansdowne Road on Saturday, the Scotland captain, Stuart William. You know, I have a huge amount of belief within the boys um, to come down here and win. Stuart Hope turns up to winning the bloody world. I love it. Stuart Hope. I believed in the boys' ability. Man of the match. <laughs> Scotland are a disgrace to work for. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> I don't know, Owen. I just don't know. I mean, I used to enjoy Hogwatch when it was a little, a little known sidebar. A tasty amuse-bouche. In our Six Nations offering. <laughs> now I feel like a guy who used to love Marvel comics, but who can't go to a movie theatre without being assailed by his formerly niche interest, now filling ten screens at a time. This slot was supposed to be about the one game in ten where Stuart William Hogg might do something either arrogant or stupid in the pre-match, or where he might make a game-changing error in the game itself. Now we just have Stuart Hogg just hogging it. all o- Like, just all over the place. All week. Out in the pub last week, as team captain, disciplined by management, starts the game anyway, and then butchers the most unbelievable three-on-one with an insanely greedy decision to try and get to try himself when Scotland were right in the game, 14-5 down. The anti-Capuzzo, Murph, was literally the opposite of what we described (sighs) earlier on. This just a couple of weeks after butchering a certain try against the French. Again, when the game was in the melting pot, 12-10 down, two minutes before half-time. I'm being accused of being in cahoots with Hogg, that I've somehow orchestrated <laughs> these weekly flameouts. I feel honour-bound to state categorically that I've never had direct contact with Stuart Hogg. Maybe some back channels, but I've never actually met the man. I've never discussed how lucrative this could be for us both. There's just nothing to the rumours on. <laughs> no. Anyway, Scotland... Beat England in their first game. Still, somehow, in the worst Six Nations in history for England, Wales and Scotland, finish fourth. When we return next year, will Scotland find newer, crazier ways to finish fourth? Would you bet against them? Ah, play the fucking bed, you absolute pricks. (laughs) I I have a huge amount of belief within the boys um, to come down here and win. I believed in the boys' ability. Man of the <laughs> Scotland are a disgrace to work for. <laughs> so, excellent hog watch yeah. there, Murph. Excellent. Yeah, Simon, yeah. I, Simon, I feel you should actually just respond because that well, was, I mean, that was, that was uh, peak hog at the weekend. I was worried, you know, when um, Trump came along and American satirists sort of felt they'd run out of material, he yes. was doing it for them. I fear that might happen with Murph there, but no, stepped it up. Like, no, can you imagine to... my Twitter mentions over the last, like, four days? I must have got, like, 300 tweets from people. 
Hog watching me some crack this weekend. Uh, lad. I was one of those people, in fairness, Murph. I got yeah, quite like, excited. Just when I saw that. unbelievable. I, I, again, I was in the bit of the West Stand where that, that corner where he was running, and I actually just looked away at the very end. I, I, I just assumed he'd grounded it. And then I looked back again, and he, he kind of was rolling to the side, and the ball was just coming out of his hand. And then everybody around us was, had assumed he'd scored as well. Because you know yourself in a stadium, you can't quite see. But he really had to do everything wrong from that point to get caught. And Hugo <laughs> Keenan had to do everything right. It was, what a screw up like. Spectacular. Yeah, we revealed some big live show news on the World Service last week. We're going to be making a long overdue trip to see all of our London listeners very soon. Haven't been there for five years, believe it or not. So we are on our way to London. Thursday, May 12th, we will be performing a live Second Captain's Extravaganza at the Earth Theatre in Hackney. That's the Evolutionary Arts Hackney Theatre. It's a beautiful old art deco, former cinema, and we're going to have a really special night, incredible guests, live music, and egomaniacs in the flesh. It's also the biggest venue we've ever played. And Murph, I don't have to tell you how much we love our London listeners, right? No, you're on the record. You're on the record on well, I love them even more because this thing is already close to selling out. And I've just informed you, this is the biggest venue we've ever played. It's already extremely close to selling out. Thanks to our amazing World Service members in London. A big thanks to all of you who've already bought a ticket. This is going to be absolutely fantastic. So if you're going to be around London, and you want to come see the show, you should get on secondcaptains.com right now. Click on the live events tab and you'll see the link there. You can't miss it. So that's secondcaptains.com. Click on live events. It's Thursday, May 12th. Book it in. Book the next day off. Let's have a good one. Now let's talk some Six Nations. Duggan, back to Campbell, back to Duggan. McLaughlin going for that line. And Ireland are in and over. I'm casting my mind back here to the Virgin Television studio post-France against Ireland on the second day of the Six Nations. I remember Shane Horgan feeling a bit... Uh, you were feeling this was one that got away, Shane, at that defeat in Paris. And as it turns out, it was actually the Grand Slam decider. How are you feeling about things now? Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that. Um, over all the permutations and everything that was going on this this week and this weekend, um, it didn't uh, it didn't return to my mind. But yeah, it really was. Um, and whatever about us, there will be there'll be players that will be on that team that might never win a Grand Slam, and um, it may cross their minds in the future. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, mm. these things do creep into your, these moments and opportunities and what ifs and um it's fine if you you know, go on to win the grand slam and and win the championship but, but you know perhaps you know one or two of them might i, I mightn't I, I think you know what what we are seeing is a very very good group of players who have potential to win grand slams and and um triple crowns more of them and definitely championships but we know that that um it doesn't always happen. It's not always guaranteed, and individual places um, aren't guaranteed as well. So I think, um, although they were rightly celebrating their triple crown win, um, they may reflect on that uh, Paris game as as a missed opportunity because because it was, and um, you know, looking at it, it's it's Ireland and France were very much the two top teams in this competition, and um, and you know, it could have been Ireland's in France. We had Mike Prendergast on last, uh, just before that first game against France, the attack and backs coach, of course, at Racing 92. You did warn us before that, Mike, about how good France might be, and you weren't wrong. Deserved winners of the tournament, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, and uh, I suppose the scary thing is 
I think they're going to get better. Um, I think for for a large chunk of the competition, they were they were absolutely they were very good. But um, I still think there's more in them. Um, and even when you look at some of the, I suppose the personnel that can come back into it as well. Someone like uh, Jalibert Olivon, who was a captain just before injury. We've our own Virmi Vecatao, who probably at the moment hasn't hit form like he had been, I suppose, over the last number of years. But Del Depp Bernard LaRue is another guy who's uh, who's with me in wrestling, you know. So the depth, that's, you know, four players off, off the top of my head. But the whole, I think the whole bar over here has just been pushed and they've a depth chart for literally every position, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think, they, they just just come back to your question, I think they, uh, overall, I suppose, yeah, they, they would have deserved it. I totally agree with, with Shane. You look back and you, and you think of that French game and I suppose especially more so the first half where, where Ireland probably didn't ask as many questions as, as they, they have done throughout the competition. Um, and we probably asked more in the second half. And I, I just think that's probably a half we look back. I remember actually uh, speaking to, to Gail Fico on the, on the Monday after it. He was in around the club and uh, he said to me that the, it was the first time in a while playing a team that they, they felt really stressed defensively. They just have, have so many threats around the ball and the way they're set up and their decision-making. I suppose it was a good thing to hear as well from an Irish point of view, you know. So, But um, getting back to it, I think, yeah, unfortunately that, that first half just was something that, that would, I suppose it's in, the, it's in the past now, but overall, I think, yeah, when you look at it and, and you break it down, I think France probably are, are deserving victory, are deserving um, winners. I think that's a good point um, Prendy makes about France have not reached their ceiling. And I think... Uh, that that's really clear, and that all also sort of feeds into the the previous points. Oh, and that, um, yeah, I think um, Ireland will be in with a chance over the next number of years, um, to do, to deliver and sort of get that, um, that get that grand slam. But maybe this this might be the only year for a few years because that French the French team look phenomenal. Players coming back in. And and they were vulnerable at times. They're only only slightly vulnerable. They were slightly vulnerable at times in the Six Nations, and they didn't play. Um, you know, they didn't play flawless rugby. You know, and I know. So I think there is. Um, they 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 can play at a higher level. They can um, make fewer mistakes. They will naturally develop. Um, as a team, um, the more time they have together, the more cohesive they have. So. You know that's kind of daunting to think about what is the ceiling for this team, because it was always a little bit of a comfort. Um, the, the the French team, the French side, didn't have their um, systems together, and they didn't have. So they were, you know, there may be a bit of disarray, or the you know the club focus was detracting from um, uh, from the national side, or they didn't have the right coaches, or they had a sort of dodgy group of players. That kind of gave us some comfort because we always knew they had this really deep pool of talent. The problem is they have this insane deep pool of talent, and they've got. They seem as if they've got most of the other stuff off the field right, and the desire to play for France and and and. Um, Prendy will know more than this than me, but the desire to p- play for France wasn't always there in the last uh, you know ten years. But my goodness, is it, it sure is there now? You can see it. Yeah, like John Beatty g- gave us an answer last week, Prendy, where it was like a three minute answer about everything that France have got right, from like politically right to the very bottom of underage and grassroots and the money side of it, the TV side of it, the amount of people watching, and it just made me feel like it's going to be several years before. 
France, the idea of France, you know, not turning up on a day or coming fourth or fifth in the table, they're just gone for a long, long, long time. And not just that, I feel like we'll start to see them the way we we in Ireland see New Zealand, South Africa as a game. It'll take something very special for us to win. And it's going to change the way the Six Nations feels. But I also think with Ireland, we have. I don't think our ceiling is ever going to be as high as this current French squads, obviously. But I also felt like, weirdly, the Scotland game... The most impressive thing was that we won it with four tries, playing our most cluttered, sort of clumsy rugby, I thought, of the Six Nations, Shana. Like, the attack really surprised me. I thought as the Six Nations went on, we'd get more fluid. But actually, the midfield in particular, there's a couple of times, like, Bundy got a ball rifled at him from, like, a yard away. James Lowe got in the way of a set move and just never looked comfortable in there in the last game of the Six Nations, which is kind of strange. Yeah, it was strange, and you're right to point out the midfield. I think they were off their timing um, and how they were get that second wave that they employ off those loop plays. The timings are, are very difficult in that. Um, they they were very impressive, very very impressive against Wales. They were holding a little bit more depth, and their timing was beautiful. Now, for the first part of the move. They could have got a little bit better when they got out around going around the corner. I thought they could have got a little flatter and they would have scored more tries against Wales than they did. But um, the first part of it was looking really good. Um, and I, I expected that to stay in place. And Bundy, you know, we've been sort of lauding him over the uh, last number of weeks. Um, he wasn't, his skill set didn't seem quite as sharp. Um, his depth was his timing and depth what weren't right as well and he was getting a few balls fired at him sexton they pulled the same move twice uh, i think the one that you're referring to it was off the line out that's right meant go, yeah meant to go back in time to in, inside to dan sheehan the first time it was a trice if sexton had a pass the ball he didn't he took it into contact um, and that one goes across the face of um of the first player it goes to the place of the winger and it goes back inside the hooker and then james lowe stuck his hand out for the second one and sexton was really annoyed um but sexton left it a little bit late to throw the pass and actually if you saw one um if you went one um zone in further where um dan sheehan was he he should he wasn't as tight to the rook as he could have been and so he, he wouldn't have gone straight through but the first one was a great opportunity so that that's unusual for sexton to get it wrong as well but they just weren't firing for some reason it was i felt a very frustrating game i yes. thought you know it, it was to to watch and i, I was di- constantly disappointed with stuff that was going on now there was no lack of application the result it was yeah as you say it was great but it, it wasn't a it wasn't a great performance sexton spoke fairly frankly about it afterwards i think he could sense that you know that it wasn't and i'm sort of i'm really glad that they scored the try at the end in the way that they did because yeah, otherwise there was a proper sense be, of achievement at that moment yeah, there, there would have yeah. been no cheering almost you know what i mean there was like i was thinking they're going to win a bloody grand, um, a triple crown here and they might even win be you know grand slam champions and it's dead and i don't know i, I wasn't in the ground but the atmosphere in the ground seemed dead as well i, I was i was at it Shane. it was so strange because beforehand you know those days in Dublin it's like beautiful sunny day the first real one of the year where people are in outdoor pints and the sort of five minutes before the match was great the national anthems were great and then the first 10 minutes was just Scottish breaks and Ireland knocking on ring rows one went to the ground it went through Xander Fagerson's legs and it was like oh here this is on now and ring rows just scooped it out it was kind of the right option 
and Mac Hansen didn't take it. It wasn't accurate enough, essentially. But from then on, it was like three, four Irish errors, and then Ali Price and others, um, who was a Darcy Graham, making breaks, and just Ireland not doing any, literally anything right for the first 10 minutes. So there was, there was nothing to cheer, and that kind of took the sting out of the whole thing. But yeah, you're right. Like There was a few moments where the crowd got into it, but it just never felt like, wow, this is a triple crown potential championship winning game we're watching here. Yeah, there's good there's good points there. Actually, I thought I thought a lot of it had to do with how Scotland started and the two entries. I think in the first ten minutes into the into the Irish twenty two, um, and there was mistakes. And I think it was a big problem for 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 Scotland. I think it's a big problem for Wales at the moment. Is the score zone, which is we call it the opposition twenty two. Um, I think especially Wales and especially Scotland. I think when they're in those, you you, you have to do a lot of work to get in there. Um, and there's a saying, you know, you don't have to miss a tackle to score. They don't have to miss a tackle for you to score. So you just need to be patient in there. And I think Scotland, and, and as you said, alluded to Wales as well. But yes, the Scotland get in quite early, twice, two errors. And I suppose uh, the pleasing thing for me from, from an Irish point of view was we didn't really get anything going in, in, in our attack. We didn't have much ball until about 16, 17 minutes. And it was a lovely sweet play where, where, where Johnny made a half bust. We got into the 22. And I suppose we showed a route in the side. We didn't have much going for us and, and we scored from that, you know. So that was a very, very pleasing thing. I think just, get, I suppose, adding on to what, what Shane was saying, there was, there's there still teething problems. Of course there is. Um, but it, it's work in progress, but it's their attack is definitely in progress. They're, they're just out of all the teams in attack for me, they're the most connected. So you'd always play with a pod. They play with obviously two pods of three between the 15, but they play with, as I say, a pod of four. That back is always animated, whether it's off nine, but usually Johnny is 10 in behind, or if it's the second block, it's a centre in behind. And, and that helps them win, 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 um, win collisions as well, because if you're animated in behind, it just softens the defence. And, and against a lot of teams, they're getting, and they're, we're not as probably big and physical, but we're, we're getting decent gain line because of it. And they're just they're really, really clear. They're really connected. And I think it's it's not by accident as well. You look at it, we scored 24 tries. I think it was the highest. I think the next was France, with, was it 17 tries? Uh, uh, Scotland on 11. And you had Wales and England, I think it was, sorry, yeah, Wales and England on eight tries each. So when you actually strip it back and look at it, um, we're definitely on the right road with, with our attack. And you know what? A lot of us were speaking about the attack, I thought. Ireland defended very well. Yes, again, you look at statistically, we took four tries over the over the tournament, and and okay, we came up a small bit short, but there's a lot of positives there, you know. Yeah, I thought their um, line speed led by um, Van der Fleer, but whoever is actually in that third, they're being led up by the the third um, defender in a in a sprint. In a, like they're sprinting off the line. I can't tell you how tiring that is to do. <laughs> how tiring that is to do, and to get you know there. That's where they're you know, very often. There's a big carrier running there as well. So there's a danger of getting stepped, but they're getting up so fast. Their sort of line is is, is uh, come, they're, they're they're making sure they're not exposed to their inside shoulder as well. So it's working. Just at that exactly what you're speaking about, and it was Keen Healy. I think it was under Hooker, and he just stopped him straight flat dead. But one, it's just huge line speed with, with obviously players around him. But um, I think as well, because we're holding on to the ball for long um, parts of the game as well, that naturally, that means you're, you're defending less. So um, I think that's got a, a, you know, that's adding to, to our defence at the moment. 
um, just our ability because our, our rock is giving us that ability as well. Our rock in general has been, you know, we've, it's been well documented how quick it has, how quick it is. Okay, in the last maybe game or two, um, teams have been really going after us. But but in general, it's something that's um, been really good. And look, that's something that's been there since since Joe Joe Schmidt came in, and and obviously Paul has has, has taken on from that as well. But um, and that's allowing us with our good shape, with our good rock. It's allowing us you know, build multi-phase, keep the ball and we're defending less. But when we are defending, it's 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 quite impressive. So both sides of the ball were yeah were definitely there's, there's, uh there's improvements. There's improvement and we've we've spoken probably a lot about the attacking shape because maybe it's the little bit you know, it's the more glamorous stuff. It, it leads to the tries. We loved seeing those loop plays and and the shape and the inter in, the interaction between fours and backs, I think not sure if there's any team in the world that actually uh, is so naturally they're they're so integrated and the way those those pods don't look like oh listen we've got this blood we've got you know we've got the three fours out here in a pod and you know <laughs> we'll we'll just dump the ball off them there. Just on that Shane though, you, you've mentioned timing a few times, and I think you know when people are describing Roy McIlroy's swing and how reliant on timing it is, and thanks to his amazing sort of coordination, it generally is right. But that when it's wrong. It, it, the game isn't there. There's just, you know, not much of a platform. And for Ireland, I feel we have the most ambitious, complex, integrated attack probably in the world at the moment. Not always the most successful, but, you know, it looks the most complicated just to the eye. But then if the timing is off, that the whole thing can fall apart a little bit like well, it did against Scotland? It, it just, it can never, it, it's the better you do this, the better you do it. <laughs> That's essentially, so it, the easier it becomes to do as well because, Let's just you know set up the scenario here, right? We've got a scrum on the, on the right hand side, or sorry, there's a you know there's a breakdown on the right hand side, and we're set up with our two pod, our two uh, pods or men out the back, and and people come around. Um, if that first if that rook ball is fast, then um you know the fence isn't getting off the line uh, as fast aggressively. You're moving forward, and we're n- and not taking the ball stationary. That's really important. A component to this because if that first pod takes the ball sta- stationary or passes when it's stationary then it, it becomes uh, much more difficult but if you are moving forward um that first pod is a threat and it's the the uh, opposition defense really has to hold on it and if they don't they go straight through and we've seen them go through many times but if they do if they do hold then the ball gets dropped out the back and um, you know, then you've got the option of you know, you go to the the second pod. You hit you have multiple runners there. You can hit. You can actually get all the way out wide. But ever wherever that breaks down under that circumstance, it's more likely to be a faster, quick rook ball. So if your first rook ball is quick, then your second one was more likely to be quick, and your third, one, and then all of a sudden you've scored a try because it's you know repetitive, quick ball. So it's more a case of how can Ireland turn slow ball into quick ball? And we did see it a few times um, actually in fr- in the French game in particular where we had to start speeding up our ball and offloading does help with that because that would cause a, a fracture in the line somewhere. It'll um, cause someone to get in behind and, and it'll mean that there's a little bit of a scramble possibly to get back behind the ball and then it's hard to get the line speed off. So I think that's one of the key components that Ireland will have to develop. I don't think it's a case of if it doesn't fire, then Ireland, if that system doesn't fire perfectly, then um, it all falls apart. That can't be your system, uh, Simon, because you don't always play at your maximum level. 
um, you need to be able to, it needs to have a sort of a safety valve if, uh, you know, if you aren't perfect or if, you know, if you aren't getting... Like the Keen Healy try that, that we just sort of went back to basics. Yeah, and I think I think they did and I think they went, probably went down a bit, a bit back to basics in the opposition 22 just because they knew they got out bully Scotland and, and they just did. They were like, you could, they could, Ireland could have probably won that a couple of ways. You know, if they were, if they were playing really well and their timing was right and their shape was, was perfect, they could have put like 60 points on Scotland, you know, that way. Or they could do what they said. Like, we, we play them every year. We play their teams in the... Um in, in the in the league and we kind of just know we can beat them this way quite you know relatively easily and they did but just my, my final point just on on the defense because we haven't spoke we have spoken about this for attack this play so much because it's so good and it's so enjoyable but the defense i think i i was worried that there was two teams um, um well there was there was certainly um wales in their in their previous guys were a, a team that i thought defensively looked on the a defensive set as an opportunity. They used it as an attacking weapon, certainly when Sean Edwards was there. France never had that before Sean Edwards, and they they, they do. They see and and Fikul is a key part of that. I thought for this Six Nations, Ireland had been, pre, prior to this, had been behind a little bit in, in terms of that. They were more passive in their defence, slightly, slightly more passive, I felt, this Six Nations, they looked as if they were using it as an offensive weapon almost. And it was like, we have a big opportunity here to change the game in a, in a positive way, not just stop the opposition, which which is a big, big jump for Ireland. Shane, can I ask you, Shane, just on the, given what we've said about Scotland, right? And how you, you seem pretty disappointed with the performance from an attacking point of view anyway, despite scoring, uh, winning with a bonus point, given how comfortable the Wales match was for us, the England game we're playing against 14 men for almost the entire time. Would you agree with what Brendan Fanning wrote this weekend, that we're actually going to learn a lot more about this Ireland team from the New Zealand series, uh, particularly with the two games the Maori's thrown in? There's essentially like five massive test matches than we have over the last six weeks. In some ways you will. In some ways you will. Um, it's a, you know, it'll be a bigger test. Um, three weeks on the trot. Um but this six Na- six nations um wasn't i don't think the of the the highest quality um if you look at the the welsh team it's probably the weakest welsh team in a while um england aren't together at all although you know they're always at a, a reasonable level but they're not this is you sometimes have three uh, sometimes even four good teams and effectively yeah. there were two good teams in this one just yeah strange. there was so so you know that that is that is uh, uh, it is different but there is you know there's the other challenges that come with six nations rugby but i, I did mention it on the in the show as well at the, just in the end segment that um in order to sort of get to the you know, get to a level um that will allow you to compete against New Zealand and, say, South Africa and France now. So Ireland, you almost have to go through a you know an autumn series and a Six Nations, you know, playing well or trying things or developing that philosophy. And Ireland did it. Now they didn't nail that philosophy, um, but really, you know, there's been such significant change in that philosophy. Um, really even not not even a year I'd say probably in nine months so it's not the finished article they're, they're still you know they're, that's the directory they're on and it's positive and and I think if they want to go on to that next level um, they have to they have to play uh, and, and the Scotland game is a, is, a, is a decent example 
Now they can beat Scotland, as we said earlier, they can sort of beat Scotland, you know, a number of ways. They could be a very, very reduced game plan and beat that side. The same against Italy. Now this year's you know game is is probably a bad example of just the way it went, but against it's like against those sides and 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 a Scotland and or even in England in in sort of disarray. Um, there's probably a more basic way that that Ireland could beat them, but it's it, it's important that they don't do that and that they fully commit to the type of rugby, um, that we saw against Wales because when it, you know when that went right it was phenomenal or that we saw um you know in the autumn series um and we see them when they're playing at their best um and and they and and it can be difficult to deliver that and we saw that was you know uh, Saturday was a sort of a, uh, it wasn't going right but it's important that they sort of stick with that because ultimately if they want to beat the Frances the England at the top at, the, at their top um Australia South Africa New Zealand then this is that's that's the type of game plan that's going to win not the other one you know the other one could give give you maybe a win you know i don't know you know you know once in every i don't know five games whatever it is but if there's a consistent way if if i'm really kind of serious about you know how do we win a world cup that's actually how you win it with doubling down on that philosophy and being comfortable in playing that against the, the best teams as well and we saw against france that they were a little bit you know they're a little bit light on it they weren't quite as accurate they weren't quite as uh, trusting of it and yes there was an element of that pressure that was coming from france but they weren't quite taking it to the line as much they just weren't as comfortable there was a few balls in the ground because of it so they need to get into um, a position where they're comfortable playing that type of game against those very very best teams and if they can do that that's you know that's really that's uh, the really significant um, um, progress, and it's it's then you get into an area where there's there's no ceiling on what you know Ireland can can achieve. Speaking of occasional victories, I think you were in studio Shane, weren't you, when Italy pulled that off in Cardiff? What was the <laughs> it was like? actually we were we were still on air. We were just going on air, and I was making a point, and I could see all the other lads with their with their mouths <laughs> open, and I, I, even my eyes were going down to the screen. It was a very very tricky one, but um. I, I've since watched it, and I, I, I back, and I, I just haven't watched it back once or twice, the, the, and, and the, the, particularly the try. I've watched that try, I'd say twenty five times, <laughs> you know, <laughs> honestly. And and listen, I went out um, with a couple of friends last night after the game, and uh, I had a few beers, so I may have been a little bit more emotional than normal this morning. <laughs> but I honestly found myself well. I go watching it. I was like the reaction, uh, especially um, when when the um, 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 when the when the when the conversion, conversion goes over, oh yeah. my god! I was looking at that guy's face, and I I was I was really getting emotional. It was yeah. it was brilliant. It was br- It's just what sport is. It's just everything that you want in sport. And you know, I I said a couple of weeks ago or a week ago even that I, I couldn't. You know, I didn't think um, Italy were were getting better, and and you know that they, it could be another thirty games before they win. But I'm so glad I was wrong. I'm so it was such an amazing part of the competition, and it was the final day. And I know there was it's amazing that uh, France won the Grand Slam after all these years, and Ireland won a triple crown. It was great, but that has a moment that is equal of either of those moments because it was so important, so important to the competition, and so beautiful, so beautiful, like the pure, <laughs> you know, unbridled joy of those players. And if you, you know, any sort of 
any sort of ability to put yourself in their shoes and what they're feeling was expressed in their faces after that game, what, what it meant to them. You know what, the 15, Capuzzo, he plays with uh, my old club, Grenoble here. So I've been following him for the last while. He's, a, he's an incredible, uh, he's an incredible counter-attacker. I've actually, I spoke to him about six months ago. Unfortunately, we tried to get him to Grenoble or to, uh, to Racing for next season, but he signed with uh, Toulouse in the end. He's an incredibly exciting player and just to, See that what he did yesterday at the at the end of the game, and then obviously to to put the the winger I think it was or the centre away was. But yeah. I I didn't I hadn't seen him really until till he came on um, the week before, and we were sitting in studio, and I was like, "Cry, this is this is." This is not good for for Italy, you know. This guy <laughs> looks as if he's he, like a teenager. He looks about yeah. He, they did the stats. What is he? He's five. He's five six and and uh, he's five. Is uh, five six? Is 71 that right? Kilo. They were saying he was on TV. Seventy one kilos. I, I was saying I, I feared for his safety. Honestly, yeah. I feared for his safety. I thought they've gone they've gone too far down the the pecking order here and. Um, you know this guy could get damaged. It's, it's appalling for Italian rugby, and and I was I was one hundred percent wrong. This guy is a, you know, I, I I don't know how he manages with that body size, but you know what a special couple of weeks he's had. How does he manage? You obviously scouted him then, Mike, and, and obviously saw him with the old club. You, you you obviously you were confident that he he doesn't have a problem with the top level size wise. Yeah, I know. Look, it's probably two. It's it's not top fourteen, but it's still a decent standard. But the thing is, he's doing it week in week out. So probably two over here would still be, it's a very competitive league and it's televised every week and they're usually kind of Thursday and Friday nights. So you get a chance Jaminet, to... correct? And Villiers? Yeah, Jaminet was playing with um, Perpignan last season. He's still, sorry, he's still there. He's joining Toulouse next year, but so is um, Capuzzo. But he, uh, yeah, he's just one of these, he's he's ex- really exciting to watch. Brilliantly exciting uh, full back. So quick, on incredible footwork. So that's probably, you know, you look at he's he's a small guy, he's quite slight, but he gets himself out of out of uncomfortable places just with his footwork and his his pace on top of the ground is incredible. And to see yesterday, I've seen images like that in Prodi too, which is obviously a different level, but I've seen him doing similar things like that. So that's why I actually tried to go away and sign him. But as I said, unfortunately, he's to lose got in there ahead of us. So what about that sidestep as well? Like it was so good. And he saw it was so wide. He almost fell over. You know, he almost fell over doing it. But it was it was like a George Best move. And it was really early as well. Usually, as you yeah. know, Shane, when a guy steps, he steps you quite late. So you can't, you know, he just but gets that, around quite late. That's balance, Mike, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. But there was there was there was a little bit of there was a nice little bit of um, well not quite blocking but there was a bit of um, shepherding mm. shall we say mm. which which opened up so escorting the, escorting <laughs> is the term yeah escorting exactly so, so that got him through the first line and then then sorry I didn't know who it was in the secondary but the, what what like what a, a sidestep that was and then um, you know the the wherewithal to to pass it back inside so it was good, and good I timing you, as well sorry go on Shane yeah. good. And, and I don't know if you've you, you've seen the clip that's going around some social media as well and this is another thing that was maybe highly emotional as well it was was Josh um, Adams um, went over to, to, to try and give him his, his man of the match uh, award as well and I was like oh Christ that is that's so nice. This really well. got you, Shane. I've never honestly, seen this emotional yeah, better. Honestly, I, did, I just, you know, there's something, you know, professional sport is 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 that it's you know it's professional and you know it's people's jobs, it's, it's people's jobs as well. But I did get it sort of touched me in in a kind of a 
uh, a nostalgic way of why you play, you know, rugby and the joy that sport can bring, and you know the, um, you know the the importance of of a moment in time as well, and 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 you know whatever about we are, you know, we're critical. We 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 look at. Um, you know these teams and these players, and we're you know analyzing Ireland, and and you sometimes forget you know that there are people as well, and there's there's you know there there's so much more tied tied up in it, and you know what you know what Ireland are trying to win the Grand Slam and Championship, you know that's not on the radar for Italy, but that you know result that they had yesterday or on Saturday was as you know important and as meaningful to them. Uh, as potentially that grand slam would be to the, mm. some of those French players. Absolutely. Listen, Shane, Mike, brilliant stuff. Thanks so much. Thanks for guys. Pallone in mezzo ancora, lo gira Cristante, poi la palla in porta, Paolo, rete, Cogna e Leonardo Bonucci, il grinta! England, in some ways, have done very well to get this far, and it is penalties, penalties. Jaden Sancho comes up, a little delay, and it's saved by Donnarumma. So Jorginho now sets up, and there's the little delay, and Pickford saved it! Oh my goodness, down to his right! Oh, oh! Incredible! Have you ever? La presa La presa Incredible. La presa So Bukayo Saka now, the 19-year-old. Saka is already waiting. It's not a long run-up. Here he comes. Oh, Siamo! Donnarumma Siamo! Campioni d'Europa! 23, 54 minuti in Italia! L'Italia è campione d'Europa! Not sure if people saw the videos from the Ireland dressing room after the game. They seemed, they seemed happy enough with their triple crown, but they had their minds on bigger things. The players, maybe against their better judgment, started belting out swing low, sweet chariot. <laughs> Such was their support for England in the upcoming game against France and Paris. In fairness, none of us had to wrestle too powerfully with any mixed feelings on cheering on England because they weren't... Well, they were in the game for large parts. In fairness, on the on the scoreboard, but it never really felt like the they second were going to they turn got France close, over. France stepped it up again and got the Dupont try. I think France Did were just keeping them at arm's length. Yeah, 
The RFU says Eddie Jones is building a New England team and against a clear strategy we are encouraged by the solid progress the team has made during this Six Nations campaign. The RFU continues to fully support Eddie, the coaching team and players and we are excited about the summer tour and the progress to rebuild a winning England team. So the RFU is standing by their man. Ken, are you standing by your favourite rugby coach, Eddie Jones? Well, who's who's better on? I mean, you know, if you, you can, well, t- you Farrell, can talk maybe? about you can talk about replacing Eddie Jones, but um, but you've got to you've got to show me a better option, and I don't see that. You know, I look across, I look at the English coaching landscape, and I'm afraid I, I don't see a lot of <laughs> I don't see a lot of talent looking back at me. You know, so it seems to me as though England are lucky to have Eddie Jones. <laughs> and um, and it seems to me as though it would be very, very incautious of them to to just rip up this um, this uh, England team that's growing, the, the seedlings that's that are, that that Eddie Jones has planted over the last couple of years, to tear mm-hmm. that all up now would be, would be crazy because there there aren't any other English rugby coaches as far as, far as I can tell at the moment. If I put a good to your head, Ken. Simon, yeah, if I name, put a good, one, yeah. name one name one English rugby coach. I've got one, Ken. Yeah. Stuart Lancaster. Stuart Lancaster. Yes, it went badly for him last time, but he's rebuilt the he's rebuilt his career at Leinster. And sure. what, could can we can we not get, find a new England coach uh, that doesn't, you know, he's not coaching torpedo, one of the <laughs> torpedo yeah, one of Ireland's best teams. All right, let's wrap things up. That's that's it for today, but it's not it for this week because we have got live shows coming up at the Liberty Hall, not to mention the London ones later on in a couple of months' time, but Liberty Hall, part two from Wednesday to Friday this week. So we can't wait to see hundreds and hundreds of our World Service members over three nights from Wednesday to Friday. We will, of course, podcast some of the best bits from that I can on the World right Service. We'll in the meantime, live. thank you, Murph. Thank you, Owen, Ken and Simon. Thank you, Thanks, Garen, Simon and Simon Ken. And Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Murph. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. 